on tonight's episode of ISN Radio. It's been entirely too long. Everything has changed, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, I guess not everything has changed, but we're going to try our best to get through this together. All this and more in the next uh, hour? Your guess is as good as mine of ISN Radio. Hi, good evening, and welcome to a long-awaited episode of ISN Radio. I guess, uh, can something be long-awaited if nobody's waiting for it? I don't know. Anyway, it's only been, uh, looking at my watch here, about six years. Uh, it's been a while. I've been a little busy, and a lot of things kind of fell apart. Um, the recording software I was using didn't support uh, podcasting stuff anymore. My computer was crashing constantly. The website wasn't working for me very well. I had to rejig a whole pile of stuff, and it's still not perfect. But 2020 has been an odd year, and now that we're in 2021, and through it and on the other side, felt like I kind of owed it to get back into a little bit of broadcasting. Don't expect this to be a regular thing. I don't know. We'll see where this takes us. But uh, as my old station manager once told me when I first started on radio back in... 1998. Um, broadcasting is the sort of thing that gets into your blood, and when you get it in, you cannot get it out. And that is definitely true. He's a very, very smart man. And those words have remained true for me my entire life. It's hard to be away from broadcasting. To that end, I have put together a show that is, consists of entirely live performances, and the reason for that is one entirely of uh, bureaucratic nature. Uh, it's very, very difficult to add stuff to my database right now. I'm in the process of working on that, but uh, live performances actually made it somewhat easier, if you can believe that, because there was no album information. So it didn't take me hours and hours to put in all the data. Anyway, I do hope that you enjoy the show that I've put together tonight. What am I playing? Well, you're just going to have to stick around to find out.
That was a Simple Minds with Love Song from back in 1982 and from a live performance in Australia. I do love Simple Minds. Their early work is, is just dotted with so much unique and interesting music. It's just incredible artistry and a lot of uh, bizarre stuff. Just absolutely beautiful. If you uh, don't have a lot of experience with uh, early Simple Minds, I would absolutely recommend going back into their catalog and checking some of it out. So as previously stated, this entire show is pulled from live performances from, uh, I guess, a large video site. Uh, It was just a whole lot easier to do a show this way. Uh, And looking at some of the paperwork stuff that I would have to do to do a show in the regular way was just absolutely overwhelming. So I think I kind of cheated a little bit tonight. But 
uh, at least I'm getting a show out. It's been a while, and uh, the the idea of getting a show has been absolutely daunting for the longest time, just to struggle with uh, the mechanisms that I currently have in place. Uh, perhaps I'll try and work through some of that stuff and make it a little bit easier on myself. And so tonight, I'm kind of going through some of my favorites, some of my uh, all-time favorites, and some stuff that I'm just grooving on in general, or things that I think you would all like, and things to kind of work through the living nightmare that was 2020. I don't know how many of you are in similar situations, but it was a, it was a tough year. It was a very tough year, and came with it a lot of changes, a lot of restrictions, a lot of difficulties, a lot of sadness, a lot of heartbreak. And uh, I hope that we can all move past that in 2021. And to some degree, this is why I'm doing a show, just to revisit the past, but also to sail into the future, I suppose. Up next, I have a band that I do not, I absolutely do not play enough of, and they are quintessential, and I often overlook them, and I think many people do. It's the Chameleons, which is a band that started as the Chameleons, and moved into the Chameleons UK eventually, as I believe there was some sort of copyright uh, struggle with a different band. And these days they're reformed as the Chameleons Vox because they did take a break for a while. The performance that I have is uh, just from a couple of years ago, and it is live from KEXP. And if you have never explored any of KEXP's live uh, recording session performances, I would highly recommend going and Googling it. They have a ton of absolutely brilliant performances, both from genres that you are probably very uh, deep into and others that you I think you will uh, love. Like I often uh, point people to the Deltron uh, performance, and Deltron is a band that I, I really like, even though it is kind of hip-hop stuff. Uh, but it's all nerd music, and I just, I really like that. There's a great Nightmare Performance recording, or a Nightmare uh, Fortress recording as well. Uh, check it all out. Anyway, here is the Chameleon's Vox with Swamp Thing.
one of the truly great Manchester post-punk bands. That was the Chameleons Vox, or as they were known back in 1981, the Chameleons. Uh, Mark Burgess uh, renamed the band when he refounded it a number of years back, and uh, that's what they've been going under ever since. Again, probably just due to name limitations or whatnot. Swamp Thing was the name of the track, and that is one of their quintessential hits. What a what a great track! I love the guitar work on that. It's just just beautiful. This is that that post punk intricacy, ah, adore it. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so my software's all changed. GarageBand, back when I stopped doing the show, GarageBand removed a lot of the functionality that they had for podcasts. So I hope to God I can find a way to put chapters and album art and all that wonderful stuff that everybody loved back into these podcasts. But we'll see. I mean, all the episodes that are up already will have that. But uh Moving forward, I don't know. And I mean, that was one of the things that really made me ditch the show because, uh, you know, I was struggling with the software that I was using. I was struggling with the equipment. All the equipment I was using at the time took up an entire desk. I mean, the other day or a couple of weeks ago, I went and ordered an external sound card off of a major online retailer that will go unnamed. And it replaces pretty much everything that I had in place before. Uh, you know, I had a mixer, I had mic preamps, I had multiple mics. This this box does a lot of that heavy lifting for me. And it's only, you know, a couple of inches wide. It's, it's a great little thing. It's got a preamp built into it and monitoring and... I can't believe how far stuff has come in 12 years. It's incredible. And then, I mean, to look back at when I first started in 1998, and the same sort of audio equipment would have cost tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, when I first started club DJing, you needed two turntables and a mixer and CD decks and an equalizer, and then you needed tons of music as well because, uh, I mean, there was no MP3s or anything like that. There was no way to get music other than anything you purchased at the store. So just to start DJing, you were looking at probably somewhere between ten and $20,000 if you wanted like really, really good equipment. But you could also do what I did and just, you know, hope that the club had all that stuff in place and go buy a lot of records. Man, when I first started in 1998, all I did was buy records because I realized that same new order best of album, it was either $20 on CD brand new or I could go to the record store and pick it up for a buck. And now all that vinyl's worth a fortune. It's a, it's really it's shocking how the, the times change. Back in the late 90s, nobody wanted it anymore. And now it's something everybody wants again. So I guess everything old is new again, much like this show. Up next, I've got a track by a band that, again, I do not feature enough of. It's Fields of the Nephilim, um, another quintessential band that, uh, yeah, I really don't feature them enough. Dawn Razor is an album that was groundbreaking and utterly devastating when it came out. Like, what a beautiful and soulful album. And it really does define Fields of the Nephilim's career to some degree. I don't know that they ever had quite that much success ever again. I don't know exactly why that was. I mean, they were a little bit late to the plate in releasing this, that disc. It came out in um, 87, I believe it was. It was near the end of the 80s. And uh, by that point, it was a little late to the party. Uh, not going to lie there. But, I mean, it, it, it was like an atom bomb of culture when it came out. Uh, the track that I have is, again, one of their biggest hits. And it is Moonchild.
From their debut and seminal album, 
That was a live performance of Moonchild by Fields of the Nephilim. Up next, I've got something that I'm sure I've played many, many times on the show. I guess there's a little bit of a story behind this. I've launched back into World of Warcraft lately in the last couple of months. And in the latest expansion, there's a boss called Zymox. And of course, as soon as I saw that, I got a little bit giddy. Uh, and But it's made me want to play Clan of Zymox on a show for at least a few months now. The track that I'm playing is Backdoor, as uh, I'm sure anybody familiar with the show will recognize that as my favorite track. And I believe I've actually played live versions of Backdoor before, but I mean, there are plenty and plenty of recordings of Backdoor out there for uh, all to listen to, and all of them have a little bit of uniqueness in them. Anyway, uh, not to belabor the point too much, but uh, here is Clan of Zymox with Backdoor.
Yeah, really feels like a return to ISN radio show would be absolutely incomplete without pay, playing the works of Ronnie Moorings and the clan of Zymox. It was backdoor. Up next, I've got something that went under the radar for many, many years. I have no idea why. I don't know if it was a rights thing or God only knows. It is The Cure performing Burn at Glastonbury in 2019. This was a track that The Cure did not play for almost 30 years. They never never performed it in any of their live performances. And again, I don't know if that was because since it was mo- used in the movie The Crow, I don't know if it was some sort of um, uh, rights holdup that it was being held by whatever company was holding the rights to the movie, that there was some sort of part of a deal that they couldn't perform it for years. God only knows. But it is among my favorite Cure songs. Now, I mean, not to get too cheesy into it, but uh, I think it's, a, again, a very rich, very layered track. The production on it is incredibly sophisticated. And to not include it in Cure live sets just seems weird. You know, I, I don't know if it was something against Hollywood or, again, just some sort of legal thing. But, yeah, I've been keeping my eyes on whenever they perform it at live shows. And, you know, it's it's absolutely an interesting thing to see it perform live. You got Robert Smith tootling away on a some sort of recorder or flute or something. It's, it's I don't know, it's just a fun track. I, I really like it. Soulful, emotional, beautiful, deep, rich, and very well well performed. All right, here is uh, from 2019, a live performance of Burn.
also very, very 90s. It was uh, The Cure Burn from the Crow motion picture soundtrack. I have no idea how well that film holds up. I haven't really seen it since the 90s, I don't think. Um, but for some reason, my brain is going to the sequel that that I saw around the time that came out as well. And that was not quite as good. Anyway, holding up with the Robert Smith trend here, I've got a track by Susie and the Banshees. And this was uh, from the old Grey Whistle Test around the time that Robert Smith was sick of being in The Cure and uh, did a stint with uh, the Banshees for a while to the point where it was even kind of Robert Smith and the Banshees there for a little bit. But the track that I have for you is called Melt.
featuring Robert Smith on his iconic teardrop-shaped guitar. That was Susie and Robert Smith and the Banshees with Melt from the Old Gray Whistle Test. What a great program that was. If you're ever looking for uh, iconic old punk and post-punk music, definitely check out any uh, episodes of the Old Gray Whistle Test that you possibly can. I mean, it goes right back to the 60s and such, but there's a lot of good stuff on there from the 80s era. Uh, up next, I'm uh, kind of continuing with the World of Warcraft trend. Oh dear, there's there's a uh, you know there's a dungeon in the new expansion called Theater of Pain, and of course that always gets me thinking about only Theater of Pain, as I'm sure is what that is a pastiche to. And the track that I have is a live performance of Romeo's Distress, a classic Christian death uh, track from that original. Only Theater Pain album from when Roz Williams was like 16 years old, I believe. I think he wrote that when he was in high school. And uh, that was a completely different uh, lineup of the of the band. And, and even their sound changed a lot from that early death rock stuff. And I mean, it's primitive, it's raw, it's very punk inspired and yet incredibly post-punk as well. It's lyrical, deep, and amazing, and beautiful, and wonderful, and majestic, and I don't think anything else even comes close to touching only Theater of Pain. It is a unique album out in the landscape that nothing really before or after emulated. The band is Faith and the Muse, because William Faith was actually in Christian Death around the end of what I like to call Christian death. There was a point where it no longer really became Christian death anymore, but let's not get into that. Uh, William Faith, of course, uh, went on to a number of his own projects, and these days um, I believe he's actually performing in um, uh, Simon Denby's band. It's uh, Yeah, he's always got his finger in something. Incredibly talented musician, that is for sure. Anyway, here is Faith and the Muse from back in the uh, 90s, because I guess I'm on a bit of a 90s trend in this latest set, with Romeo's Distress, a classic Christian death track. This one's dedicated to the memory of our brother, Roz Williams.
Arguably one of the finest 90s golf bands. That was Faith and the Muse with a cover of Christian Death's classic and incredibly important track, Romeo's Distress. One of the one of the best tracks that Christian Death did, especially from that era. My God, I'm talking a lot tonight. Well, I mean, I guess I have like about six years worth of uh, frustration to make up for. So getting it all out by by talking quite a lot. Yeah, but I don't have that much to talk about, really. It's just good to be back on here. It's good to be making something. It's good to be producing and getting stuff out in the world. And uh, hopefully some of you are grooving on some of the stuff that I am playing tonight. If you do like it, I mean, you can go to the website, isnradio.com. There's ways to like the show on different social media platforms. There's ways to donate. If you want to see this show, keep going. If you want to see it improve, if you want to become a supporter and uh, get behind the ISN radio movement, I mean, it all really helps. And it it, it helps my mentality, I guess, as well. I mean, uh, you know, again, one of the reasons I stopped doing the show was I did have funding drives and it was uh, really challenging to run because people would pledge money and then I'd it couldn't, you know, they wouldn't pay. And uh, I had server costs and I had computer costs and equipment costs and music costs and all sorts of things. And uh, just at, at a certain point, I just had to kind of shut it all down and try to regroup and figure out how to proceed forward and what to do. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of problems in the scene as well. Things in Toronto fell apart around that time. The Kinetic Festival ended and uh, the whole, the entire live scene in Toronto just utterly bottomed out there was nothing going on and uh it's it was a challenging time in the early 2010s it was around 2013 i guess 2013 2014 something like that when yeah everything just kind of ended and so yeah i figured you know time to switch gears take a break figure out what's happening improve some things focus on other parts of my life and try to uh see where the chips would land and I don't know. I mean, 2020 was, I think, a change, a year of change for everybody, certainly myself. It's got me thinking a lot about my history and my roots and the things I enjoy and love. And I mean, certainly broadcasting has always been a very big part of my life, live DJing to some degree, but at the very core, it's always been this. It's been getting on the radio, getting on podcasts and trying to deliver as much cool music to as many cool people as possible to spread that uh musical disease all around the world and get you all into the things that I like because that's what I do. I want you to all appreciate the things that I like and for the reasons I like them. I'm kind of a live action version of Dr. Frank. Up next, for, again from the Old Grey Whistle Test, this one's from 1978. I have what is arguably one of the most important bunk, punk bands that ever existed. Henry Rollins, in fact, called T.V. Smith the, the greatest lyricist. Uh, every time Henry Rollins writes a lyric, he says he thinks of T.V. Smith and says, you know, make it matter, make it, make it something that's important, make it mean something. T.V. Smith was absolutely brilliant and headed up a punk band called The Adverts that only had two albums, but those albums are utterly devastating to the point where every track on each of them, all their singles and absolutely everything is incredible, which is ironic when they were uh, at, the, at the beginning, they were teased because they couldn't even play their instruments. They were known as one chord wonders. But what a wealth of music, and especially their second album, really, the production is, is absolutely incredible on the second album. And the risks they take and the things they do, just absolutely great stuff. The track that I have for you is a live performance of Bored Teenagers. One, two, three, four. We took it into corners, finally. 
Black and the Pixies with an absolutely incredible performance of Gouge Away. And before that was Bored Teenagers uh, from the Old Grey Whistle Test, the adverts. I sometimes wonder, actually, and take this for what you will, which is the opinion of some guy in your ear, uh, I sometimes wonder if 90s alternative music would exist at all without the Pixies or, uh, even more to the point, Sonic Youth two amazing bands that laid a groundwork for a whole lot of the experimentation and the just absolute sonic insanity that uh, underlay a lot of 90s tunes. And yet, you know, I don't know that they get that much credit for it outside of people who are real music lovers, music aficionados. That I don't really feel like a lot of people give that credit where credit is due. But then again, I mean, I guess Weird Al on his latest album did a Pixies-style track, and he actually performed with the Pixies live a couple of times doing vocals, which is uh, interesting to see. A uh, big fan of Weird Al, always have been. Great stuff. Though, I mean, he he's done some awful stuff too, I guess. I don't know. But, but anybody who has that prolific a career, a lot of ups and downs for sure. Next up, I've got another thing that I have never played before on the show in any form, and the form that I'm playing it in tonight is really weird. It's the Headmaster Ritual. Uh, it's a cover of that by Radiohead. I guess Radiohead are huge Smiths fans of uh, of both Morrissey and Johnny Marr, and rightly so. I mean, absolutely incredible band, incredible music, and you can kind of see the influence in a lot of what Radiohead does from the sonic sound of it, like the sonic side of it, to the lyrics you know, all the way through. Yeah, this was something I guess they just did in the studio, and it's a really interesting cover. And after that, yet another thing that I've never played on the show that definitely deserves a lot more credit. Once again, another, another throwback to the 90s, a lot of 90s stuff tonight. 
If you were a teenager in the early 90s, as uh, some of us were, there's a very good chance you had a copy of Nirvana's uh, MTV Unplugged album on your shelf or in your CD player or your Discman or your tape player or whatever the youngsters used back then. Uh, but this is one of those things that you didn't really hear that much of. It was Alice in Chains from exactly the same MTV Unplugged performance series. Uh, Nirvana and MTV, or Nirvana and Alice in Chains were kind of two different sides of the same coin. One was a lot more polished and a little more consumable than the other, that's for sure. Definitely uh, Alice in Chains was probably the darker side of the two. And so they never really got as much mainstream acceptance, that's for sure, but certainly they have quite a lot of staying power. And it's one of those things I have definitely never played on the show, so I wanted to uh, get that out there as, you know, I lived through the 90s. Uh, that was, in some ways, some of my very formative music years, even though most of my musical appreciation comes from before the 90s. Uh, I probably don't showcase enough 90s stuff. There is a lot of about 90s music that I don't really like very much and uh, not a huge fan of, but... That early grunge movement is something that I definitely dug, certainly while I was young in that time period, and a lot of it has really stuck with me. Alice in Chains is a truly great band. A lot of troubles, a lot of difficulties there, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a brilliant body of work that was left behind. So up next, I have one final thing before I leave you all for hopefully not another six years, and uh, we'll see See how things go in the next little while. I'm going to make some effort, especially if it's wanted. If, if you enjoyed this show, please kindly reach out. If you go to isnradio.com, then there is an email address there, or you can feel free to drop me messages through various social media platforms. However people do it these days, I don't know, smoke signals or letters or royal mail. I send a penguin. I have no idea. But if you enjoyed it, please reach out. Let me know what you think if you, uh, if you had a... a a fun time listening to this if there was even anybody who actually did listen to this that would be reassuring it's been a while it used to be a lot of listeners but uh it's been it's definitely been a while anyway uh i hope you all enjoyed this i do have one more track and um i think anybody who knows me knows i love the early days of synth and prog rock and and those days of the massive component-based synthesizers and things that you know took up an entire garage to build something that you know, now now would fit on the head of a pin in a software environment anyway. Uh, probably one of the greats is Alan Parsons, and his biggest hit, I'm sure, is Eye in the Sky. What I have is a live performance from an orchestral rendition, even, of uh, Sirius, which is a great track that actually leads into Eye in the Sky on the album, and then Eye in the Sky afterwards, because, you know, some days you just feel like Eye in the Sky. That's just how it goes, often, maybe, depending on who you are. Certainly if you're me. And until next time, this is Edwin Somnambulist wishing you all pleasant nightmares.
preceding was a presentation of ISN Radio 2021, www.isnradio.com.